Welcome back. Welcome back. Or or for the first time. I haven't said that in a long time. You know, if it's your first time. Hello, first welcome. time. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for being here. I think one thing that I haven't said in a while, but I wanted to get this out in the beginning, is that if you're here on YouTube, thanks for being here. It's going to be at least an hour, I'd say. Generally, our episodes are an hour to an hour and a half-ish in there. Where's uh, it going with this? Where's it so going with this? So if you don't want to sit and watch for an hour and a half, we're available on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Deezer. Yeah, iTunes. Preacher, Stitcher, Player. YouTube FM. Music. What whatever you want via our RSS feed, which is down in the description. So if you don't want to sit and watch for an hour and a half, we understand. I'm not a big podcast watcher either. So go ahead and hop on over there. Give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you use and uh listen through that from here on out. Yeah. Appreciate it. What episode are we on? Thirteen. Thirteen. Lucky thirteen. Lucky, lucky thirteen. Got it. I think I think thirteen's lucky. I thought it was always the other way around. Maybe we're usually the besides other way around, the like. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, besides the people that have adopted. I think Icon Icon Helmets made a lucky thirteen helmet or something the one time. I don't know. All right. Well, on that note, let's roll the intro so we can get into lucky number thirteen. Yesterday at one point, I was unfit. We're back and live. <laughs> live. Let's and not go down that road again. No, but I will say, quick, I think this is our final final shout out. No. We are we are no. one week away. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And so if it's Wednesday, we are four days away, which means if you're listening to this episode and you haven't bought tickets or planned your trip to Track Day Circus yet, it might be a little too late, but it's never too late. Hurry yeah, up. Just get over there. It'll be a great time. Come on out. Track Day Circus. UMC, Utah Motorsports Campus, Twilla, Utah. Bring your bikes. So while we're on the subject of Twilla, okay. the editor can decide what to do with this, but my personal correction corner. There we go. Da, da, da. So last week we talked about the, the police chase, uh-huh. the S1000 R in Utah that was making its way out to Twilla. We, yes, sir. We had some jokes about that. So that stuff's all true. But after careful review and watching the uh, footage in its entirety, I take back what I said. Homeboy was running. (laughs) (laughs) Homeboy was running. Uh, What leads me to say that is there was a couple red lights ran that I hadn't seen in the earlier footage. Mm -hmm. Um, I doubt he was just joyriding and running red lights. I hope not. If he's doing that, that's never good. But uh, additionally... One of the cops said that he may have told him he was number one as he drove by the cop. So. Told him number one, like in a, in a profane way or. Yeah. Like in a Josh Heron sort of. Okay. You know, gotcha. Mark Marquez, Marquez sort of yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All he right. Said, I gotcha. I wasn't sure you're was number like one. As he, number yeah. one, like he's winning the race or <laughs> you're the first cop I've seen today. I don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. The only part I will maintain is that I still, I see people drive, if you if you take that footage out of account, just see the actual 
canyon portions with the helicopter mm-hmm. chasing him i don't even think it was that extreme he was just on a spirited ride after that moment. right yeah that's what w- i went back and kind of watched it when i put the link in or when i was watching it yeah i just i don't know i mean he you know he's going quick but it wasn't like i, I don't know i feel like people that don't ride motorcycles often anytime they see a motorcycle going any speed honestly they could be going the speed limit but if they'd like do some sort of maneuver that a car can't do then they are like they're doing 900 miles an hour blatantly disregarding all traffic laws and just you know they take it off the deep end every time and i don't know did i tell you about that friend of mine who's not sure how old he is but he's pushing 60 let's say Mm -hmm. drives a gs 1200 to work every single day okay Recently got pulled over, uh, merging across the freeway, trying to get into the safe lane, mm-hmm. as he called it. Yeah. And he said he was doing it one lane at a time. He wasn't like signaling and then hitting multiple lanes. He just signaled, moved over, signaled, and he seen a gap. So he stabbed it for however many seconds, jumped over mm-hmm. into that fast lane, didn't cross solid lines, didn't do anything like that, and had cherries behind him. And he realized quickly that the reason there was a gap is because the traffic was slowed down, staying, you know how it gets when they're afraid to pass the cop. Yep. Everybody's speeding, but them cops, they'll slow traffic down. But they they pulled over this guy, nicest guy you've ever met, probably never done an illegal thing in his life. Mm -hmm. And they gave him reckless driving. He's on, you know, SR-22 insurance. He's apparently, I can't remember how fast he said, but. Basically, anything over 110 or something is now reckless driving in mm-hmm. Utah. So, okay. I mean, they they threw the book at him. I just talked to him the other day. He had his GS parked out at work, and I told him to take it easy on the way home there, son. <laughs> that's good. But that's the, good. that GS, was the, the reason I brought that up is that was the argument he was making is, like, in his discussion to the cop, according to him, was, do you realize that I, I just stabbed it for a second, you know, to move over into the other lane? And then I came right back down to speed Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's not like a car where you have to make a conscious eight second decision because you're, "Ah," you know, trying to get up to that speed. It's just on it. And then, yeah, you can, you can go to a reckless driving charge really quick. (laughs) Matter of of less than two seconds. You're there. Congrats. (laughs) Well, that leads me to a, a funny topic I wanted to bring up. Uh, before we get into MotoGP. With that, let me apologize to the listeners real quick, I guess, because we're we're going to cover Moto America from this weekend, but you're not going to hear about that till next week uh, due to the trip that we're making and some timing and whatnot, scheduling stuff. Uh, that episode will come out next week, so which is okay. It'll be great. We'll still cover it. Taking it back, circling back, whatever, you know, the people say. We have, I think we've been known a couple times to mention that Smaller bikes are better on the racetrack, but I keep finding myself and, and talking about how, you know, super bikes are too much. It's dumb. Kind of like you were just talking about, you know, in less than a second or two, you find yourself doing reckless driving and jail time and whatever else there might be. Don't lose your train of thought, but dumb's the wrong word. So awesome that they're Yeah, dumb. well, that's what I that's what I was about to get into is I was like, <laughs> I caught myself the other day at work. I heard some some people over talking and they were like, yeah, you know, I want to get into riding. What what do you think is a good beginner's bike? And I was like, beginner's bike? What does that actually mean? Like what? Because most people will be like, oh, you know, R3, Jigsaw 250, uh, Honda Rebel 500 if you want to go the cruiser route. Triumph Street Triple. I'm trying to think of some others. The CBR 300, Ninja 400, right? 
all of those little guys, those are great beginner's bikes, but they're kind of small. So now we're getting into the like Ninja 650s, CBR 650s, R7, Aprilia RS660, great beginner's bikes, but also plenty of power. And I'm like, what is a beginner's bike? Because the argument that everyone always makes is that you get on a Super Sport 1000 liter bike and you're going to kill yourself, right? What? That's at least that's what I've heard. You're going to get on there. You're going to accidentally pop the clutch, wheelie it over and you'll be gonzo. Well, I wanted to debunk that, I think, because I don't agree with that. I have opinions. All right. Well, I'd like, I'd love to hear them, but I'll get out. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that on a motorcycle, you have a clutch, and I don't think it matters really what bike you're riding. You can get into scenarios all over the place, but if you can keep good clutch control, you can keep yourself out of trouble no matter what bike you're on. So I was curious what you thought on that. Uh, my thought is the so all of us in our own minds are Valentino Rossi, I guess, or insert whatever you want. You know, everybody mm -hmm. thinks they're going to be amazing. But I think you really need to evaluate it. You need to really take a look inside and decide what's right for you. Because right. I could argue that a thousand is never the right bike for the street. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could make that argument. They're still awesome to own and drive and everything else, but it's probably never the most efficient, best bike across the board. But everybody comes from a different background and everybody has different talent levels. I mean, Two kids growing up in the exact same environment. One of them might be much more proficient on a motorcycle than the next. Mm -hmm. So you have to take that into account, but you have to be honest with yourself. You can't just say, oh, I'm awesome. So I need a 1000. Right. So that's part of it. But the other thing is, you know, as a guy who, you know, I, I grew up in the farming communities on farms and kids in my neck of the wood, they get thrown on things to move pipe, mm -hmm. to do irrigation, to run feed the cows. They don't get to step up whether it's an ATV or it's a side-by-side -side or it's a dirt bike, they don't get to step up sometimes. Sometimes it's just take dad's bike down to do whatever. Yeah, and you those go, kids, out. Yeah, those kids generally, like you said, with, with the right, being able to feather a clutch, run a clutch, there's not a bike you can't drive. And right. the, the other thing is I don't like the argument that if you buy a thousand, you're automatically just dead. I mean, yeah, you can drive a thousand as slow as you want. You can drive it as fast as you want. And that's true across the board for all bikes. There is another argument. I mean, if you're just strictly, let's just talk just the racetrack. What's the best beginner bike? I think the mm -hmm. smallest one and the smallest increments moving up from that until a bike is 100% mastered. There's no more they can squeeze out of that thing. Then you step them up to the next one. That's true. Right. That's true in the motocross world. That's true in, you know, street bike racing, mm -hmm. uh, all those things. But if we're strictly talking about the street, I don't know why anybody would buy, for me, this is just personal opinion, but I don't know why anybody would buy a 300 because they're going to buy a 600 in a year. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's Well, just and sad, sadly, I think that's actually what's killing the uh, the 600s is because the, the middle class, non-super sports, 650s, that genre of bike, your parallel twins, if you will, have kind of taken both groups. So they've taken a lot of the beginner bike spots but then they've also taken a lot of the upgrade spots. And so you have to find a lot of people that hop on, you know, the CBR 650 and they're there for almost forever. I was or gonna, at least for a I was going to say maybe forever. Cause that's another thing to consider is like I said, in no, I love the thousands, you know that, but mm -hmm. honestly there, there's no purpose for them. There, nope. there, there really is <laughs> no purpose off, off of a racetrack. They're just a cool thing to buy. And, but at the same time, that's, that's what I love about them. Right, because there's no purpose for a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or even 
even a Corvette, right? Bring it down a, a notch, right? A Corvette or Porsche 911 or Bring it up a notch. Audi R8. Those are all around in the same class, right? Depending on what Ferrari you're talking about, that could be in the same class too. I get it. But my point is, there's no point to anything really when you come down to it if you're not a vehicle person you want i think the best fuel mileage and reliability point a to right? b and that's it motorcycle can get that for you which is why a lot of people ride it right your fuel mileage is crazy good and reliability most of them are pretty good so i get that but i guess what i'm getting at is if you're sitting here and you want a super bike you want a leader bike and you're like i don't know everyone says i'm gonna go kill myself as cole mentioned be honest with yourself but when was the last time that you accidentally actually accidentally wheelied with having like you never planned on this happening wheelied a leader bike completely on accident me it i want be... i want the truth maybe yeah maybe you did on your your s1000 or something oh yeah it would, it would be at the track okay <laughs> right well i i should have prefaced on on the street is what i meant yeah, on the street i uh, i don't know that i've ever accidentally wheelied right so i think i did one time and it's because i was actually like I was racing a buddy and we both came over this kind of like dip and then hill. And as we came off that hill, they both our bikes picked up. Neither of us was expecting that. That's the only time. That was when you were in Mexico, right? Yeah, we were in Mexico. Yeah. And he was on a Mexican Ninja 636. So both bikes, let me point that out there. An 1100 and a half the CC 636, both bikes did about the three or four foot wheelie. So again... The 636 isn't necessarily a beginner bike, but people would classify it on more of the beginner side. And I would say that there is no difference. It's tight because an R R3 obviously is not the same as an R1. And I understand that. You can wheelie an R3. You can low side an R3. You can get hit by a car on an R3. On an R1, you can do all of those things exactly the same, right? So in, in my head, I get the beginner bike thing. However, I don't know. I just wanted to debunk that. And if you've got something like that holding you back from buying a superbike, Freaking go buy the thing. Be careful. Understand that you have control of a lot of very easy to use horsepower in this hand, but a quarter turn of it is no different than any other bike. Your first quarter turn of throttle on pretty much any bike is going to be about the same amount of power, honestly. And so that goes back to that, that one test you saw with the like, was it the Harley that ended up using all the, the most of its power or was it the dirt bike or something? You know what I'm talking about? You remember? I don't remember what you're talking about, honestly. They took like a Super Sport, a Harley Davidson, I think a dual sport and then a straight up supermoto or something like that and had them all go ride this racetrack. They were all professional racers and they put horsepower meters on the bikes and it was it was like a road but racetrack on the road cleared out and they came back super sport i think it was a lower one i don't remember but let's say it made 150 horse let's say the harley made 60 the dual sport made 50 and the straight up dirt bike made like 35 the dirt bike used about 34 if i remember right the dual sport was about 10 under its the harley was pretty close to the top and then the super sport actually used like 25 horsepower or something like that some ridiculously low number, even though it has so much more. And they came back and the guy's like, what? I was I was in the revs the whole time. Like I was, you know, I was right. at the red line pretty much the whole time. It's like, yeah, but how often were you at the red line and full throttle at the same exact time? Probably never, right? Because you never get there. So right. anyway, well, off that tangent, go buy a super bike. They're great. <laughs> Another thing I think to consider, unfortunately, we're all different sizes. True. Very true. And I, I think that even a bigger, the power is all manageable. Like you said, it's all your right hand. You know, you mm -hmm. can, don't matter if there's a rocket ship underneath you, you can, you're still in control of that. But sometimes you buy a bike because you like the way it looks or you like the brand or whatever it is. But if that bike's not right for you, if you're too small for it, you can't touch the ground. I think those are times to also consider maybe, 
you know, buying a smaller bike. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that for sure. Because I, I'm short. I definitely have trouble. Most of my, well, all the sport bikes in my garage right now, I'm kind of tiptoeing. The Aprilia, I kind of teeter-totter almost, you know, from one toe to the other. Can't ever really get both feet on the ground at the same time. So right. take that for what it's worth. Can say that like when I first started riding, if you put me on a bike like that, I would have been extremely scared. Yeah, cautious, uncomfortable. But I mean, those are bike to bike because you can get, you know, leader bikes that some of them are lower, some of them are taller. I could put a lowering kit on it. Right. Anyway, but yeah, I get what you're saying there for sure. The, the I think the biggest thing that would say beginner bike advice advanced bike to me would be the weight of the bike yep. like if i had to put one thing on the list it would be the weight of the bike so you're, you're just trying to convince everybody to not buy harleys no <laughs> no because the funny thing is that a sportster 883 is considered a beginner bike i consider it a beginner bike but it's 883 it's true but the power hits different yeah well that, that's just that's what i'm getting at is that it doesn't matter what you buy well that's a good that's a good point to bring up is it's the number is not the whole story either no nope. some of them new harleys are 2000 cc's yeah. is what they're headed for you know so <laughs> yeah one what is it 131 they're up to now 134 yep. yep 131 yeah that's insane so. well yeah and i mean you can make the same you know a ninja 650 vice a ninja zx6r 650 is more than 636 but <laughs> you want to talk about a, a so completely different bike it's common in my neck of the woods i always mm-hmm. i always kind of laugh about it but uh, one of the things you hear a lot of people say is when the kids are turning 16, getting ready to get their first car, mm-hmm. get them a pickup truck. Yeah. And there's like this perception that they can get in less trouble in a pickup truck. And well, yeah. Because it doesn't have a back seat, I guess. So they trade the, I don't know oh. why. I don't so know So I always. They trade the I always seat for something that will hold a whole entire mattress. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> So I always took that the completely other way, uh, which is that get an old pickup truck, you get steel bumpers, it's higher off the ground. You can see the only issue with the pickup truck, especially in your neck of the woods, is winter time when there's no weight in the back. I guess is where that mattress comes in nice and handy. <laughs> um, but there's no weight in the back. You're going to be sliding around everywhere. And everyone's like, well, let's go four wheel drive. I'm like, OK. Anyway, we don't need to get into that topic because I'll, I'll talk forever. But I would say that if I I mean, I've, you know, thought about buying a kid in the future. Yeah, a pickup truck, because if they do get in an accident, chances are you got a four wheel drive pickup truck with a little bit of a lift on it because that's what everyone wants. You know, when you're a kid, it's cool when you got a big old truck, you got steel bumpers on there. Whether whoever's fault it is, take everything out of the equation. The only goal is to keep your individual kid safe. Pickup truck's the best way to do that. I don't know. I feel bad for the motorcycle they hit. But <laughs> you, uh, yeah. since we're since we're that far in the weeds, have you ever seen some of them tests though with the old '60s cars? Because there's a perception out there that look, I got this giant iron box or whatever, so they'll put like a yeah '60s boat against like a Honda Civic. You're better in a smart car than you are an old like '50s car. Yep, absolutely. I, the, I think some of that's true with the trucks. Yeah, I just know that when you when you get in an accident in a big truck compared to a small car, the car is more likely to be totaled, and generally the trucks do tend to run over the other vehicle yeah not that you should go pick up a truck for your kid and be like you're invincible do whatever you want but (laughs) Uh, jokes on them the kids are invincible just ask them yeah that's why you should buy a leader bike yeah leader bike you're you're invincible 16th birthday it's easier to fit under the christmas tree than a truck is that's true you can actually wrap it up and put it under the christmas tree yeah Man, what I would have given. 16th birthday, there's a, I don't know, like it doesn't even need to be, you know, one of the new $30,000 ones. You can pick up an 1199 for, what, 9Gs these days? Yeah, there you go. But then based off this discussion, you wouldn't be here to be talking to me right now. No, I'm invincible. Oh, yeah. You was. You're not. Yeah, I was. Man, now I'm, well, yeah. Become human like the rest of us. All right. Do we need to get into MotoGP? Is it time? 
Yeah. You know what they ride? They're not on beginner's bikes. No? Are they on real bikes? Yes. You know? Yes. And here's why. Alash vegetable asparagus. <laughs> what happened to his bike today? Today, during the race, today. It became a real bike. Yeah, it became a real bike. The freaking thing flew off of it. And oh my goodness, he's so amazing. He can still ride that even with the one piece of arrow gun. They would not shut up about it. Question? Yeah. How come I couldn't just black flag him? Uh, ooh, I don't know. I mean, it so didn't he, fall off, did it? No, but there's parts flapping in the wind hanging off his bike. That's true. Yeah, because every but, time you see him come around a corner, the front's just... Uh, but just you're required off. to start a race with a clutch guard. His clutch guard was bent straight up. Break. Yeah, sorry, brake lever guard. So he didn't have that anymore, technically. It was bent, like, whoop, straight up. No, they're too so, busy watching for track limits. No, wait, <laughs> stay on... That's true. That is true. But tell me, I've seen people get black flagged for... Uh, Mark Marquez has been black flagged before for piece of body hanging off. Fabio Quattararo for his uniform or yeah. zipper or whatever. Uniform yeah. is a weird word, but... So I didn't want to see him black flagged. I think that would have been worse for the race, but it, I did find myself thinking, why not? You guys like to pull the trigger on all these penalties all the time. Why not nail him? Yeah. I don't know. It's a good... Maybe they only pull the penalties on the people that are like actually... Have a chance. You know, <laughs> you said it. It wasn't me. You said it. Uh, he's 33-year-old Spaniard. I didn't realize he was 33 already. Yeah. He's... He, ain't, he ain't going anywhere. Is he leaving next year? I had that pulled up. I, I actually did my research and was looking at contracts earlier this week. Let's talk about Aprilia and their contracts. Okay. Yes. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of him leaving. There's mm -hmm. been a lot of talk of him going. And some weeks I'm like, man, they need to switch him out. Try something new. Let's get somebody on the bike. But they have a satellite team this year. Yep. You got Miguel Oliveira that still can't ride the bike. And yeah. I'm blaming it on injuries. I'm still saying he's dealing with his shoulder. I'm not trying to take a hit at him, but he hasn't shown anything. Not yet. And then we have the Fernandez that we, you know, ran to ground is not a rookie. Yeah. He's nowhere. Brilliant Fernandez is not a rookie. I do want to talk about the other rookie, the rookie at some point though. Okay. So, but the one on Aprilia. Yeah. He is... He's nothing. No, he's, you know, he's he's back there with the test riders every week. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not seeing anything out of him, and he's the self proclaimed people's champ, and I don't like his attitude, and that's that's all beside the point. Mm -hmm. But if if you're a Prilly right now, and you're like, okay, who do we get rid of? Alesh is the only one doing anything. I would get rid of Alesh before Maverick personally. Really? Yeah, four out if, of the last five DNF. Yep, mechanical yep. last week. Mm -hmm. To be fair, was the fastest guy on the track for I don't know how many laps today. Then decided it was time to take a vacation into the rocks. Yeah, well, but everyone's doing that this year. Maverick's doing it more. Then who? Then Honda? No. No. Then Jack Miller? Hey, we'll talk about Jack when the time's right. I'm just saying, like, you you say things like this, not, not you, everyone watching, right? I do the same thing. I'm like, man, that guy wrecks a lot. And then I'm like, hang on a second. I just said that about the last seven people that wrecked. That's just so like a thing this year. Yeah, so as you guys will get listening to this podcast, today there was a lot of crashes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As you'll understand as we go through this, if you haven't watched the race. But one side note I'd like to point out before I forget, how many people finished today? <laughs> Enough that everyone got points. So 14 people finished today, okay? If you yeah. look into that, two more bikes started the, on the grid today then started at coda coda ended with 14 bikes but they had two less to start with mm -hmm. so you could argue that the cathedral of speed mm -hmm. assen yes at least I'm only making more. that only yeah only make that face because mark was declared unfit that's true after mark came out then maybe it was only one more yeah. but regardless we finished the race with the same amount of riders 
Yep. And Coda, again, a subject we like to bring up all the time, but Coda got bagged on for being this death trap, worst place, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Athens is the Cathedral of Speed, one of my favorite tracks, if not my favorite track. I'm already making plans to go there next year without you, by the way. But Without me? Well, that's Or, or with you. Ridiculous. But, you know, I got to take care of me first. We need more of you to listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so I can go to Athens next year. So I love the flow of that track and I love it in the lesser classes that I'll get into later, mm-hmm. but the track's smooth. There's a couple bumps in a few places. There's one slick spot where the asphalt does change, but you had all these people crash and yep. all over the place. Never once heard the track get blamed. No, well, it wouldn't. Not their oldest track on the, <laughs> on the calendar, which by the way, speaking of correction corner, we need to come back because they just announced today that India tickets are for sale. I've seen that. I was wondering if you could bring that up. Yeah. So we come. So we just broke for a five week break, five week summer break, yep. and they come back to Silverstone, which yep. is fun track, and then the Red Bull Ring, yep. which is I'm excited to. I love watching them at that track. It'll be good. I'm excited for Australia this year. I'm excited for everything post the five weeks because, as we talked about, Bagnaya is showing me that he is world champion material. Right, he obviously he won the championship last year, but we have a, a thing on this podcast where you got to win at least two. You got to defend your championship before you're an official world champion in our book. That's so established. He is showing that he's he's going to hit that mark, but he's not alone up there. He's not quite a runaway every time. So I I think he's smart enough to know that he doesn't need to be a runaway every time. That's why I I would still put money on him. But I'm excited to see what the uh, what the five week brings and see if people can kind of calm down a little bit because yeah. Uh, but yeah, the old, the old South African out there is making me pretty happy. Starting to love that guy. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about KTM's weekend. Okay. Who crashed last weekend? I think it was Brad last weekend. So that just means it's Jack's turn. I mean, he didn't do anything he didn't expect. No, but it just made me laugh because I was like, man, this guy. What? Well, and especially because he, he hasn't complained about the bike yet. Right. I caught myself thinking yesterday. Um, so Saturday during the sprint, I was like, I want to, I want to see Jack ride every bike. And you're, you might take that the wrong way and be like, oh, he's going to say Jack can't ride anything. No, because I want to know. And I think Jack would be the best guy to test that. I want to know if these other bikes are actually unrideable. I want to put Jack at a track that he likes in Australia, right? Give him every single bike and just let him go ride two days, half a day on each bike. Dude, everyone gets the best lap time. They should you know? do, they should off sign an agreement and just say, we're going to do four days of qualifying and Jack's going to qualify everybody on their bikes. <laughs> Whatever he can do on their bikes, that's the spot they get. Uh, that'd be good. Yeah, I don't know. I just like, I caught myself. I'm like, I wonder if Jack could ride the Honda because he's come out and he could ride the Ducati, I think, as well as the rest of them. He's always been a, he's always wrecked a decent amount, right? It's just kind of Jack. Yeah, he's great to root for because he does really good a lot of the time. And then every once in a while, he just lets you down. And you're like, come on, man. Yeah, every other weekend. Yeah, but well, I'd say this year is worse than than I think last year was. Maybe yeah, not. He's, he's struggling, but it's every other weekend this year. Yep. But he came out on the KTM and there was never, like, everyone else was like, yeah, they're on new bikes this year. So, you know, they get that excuse and that's why they're not doing so well. And then he came out on a KTM and I, you know, he's been there before, whatever. But I don't think that KTM is the same as today's KTM. And he just rocks it, right? Gone. Maybe the KTM is just that amazing. I mean, obviously it's doing pretty good, but that's again why I want to talk about freaking Augusto over there. But I, yeah, I just caught myself. I was like, dude, I want to see him ride the Yamaha. I want to see him ride the Honda. I want to see him on the Aprilia. Like, Agreed. Sticking with KTM. Mm-hmm. Did you see Brad's launch? Uh, actually, I don't 
think I did. From the second row, led him into the first lap. Yeah. Led the first. Yeah. I mean, I knew he three came out in the race. first. I just wasn't paying attention to the launch itself, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, that was from the second row. Yeah. Again, yeah. KTMs are on fire coming out of the hole. They've got speed. And even Jack shot. I mean, he started 12th. And yeah, his qualifying was not good. No, it was funny. I was watching qualifying. I was thinking I jinxed him saying that, that he needs to qualify Brad's bike for him because Brad ended up qualifying better than him, which doesn't yeah. happen too often. I don't know. So the wreck on Sunday, not a surprise, kind of expected, kind of not. If it happens, you're just like, yep, okay, there, there was, right, whatever. But the whole weekend just felt off, which was weird because, you know, in his interview on the press day on Thursday, he sounded confident said you know nimble track nimble bike will be good to go i mean brad showed that obviously his bikes are they're good enough for this circuit and to keep up with the other boys and then he just wasn't there all weekend regardless it's, of the crash the it's, whole it, it's easy to say i know uh armchair quarterback and all that but mm -hmm. brad chose the wrong tire do you think he would have been able to win so the question i think i think he would have held on to that second spot so he went with a soft rear mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard to say how the first of that race would have went if he would have been on a medium or a hard, right? Maybe he would have been fighting back from fifth to get up there and rather than regardless what tire he was putting on the back, he was going to be first in that front corner. Right. And him and Jack are both crazy enough that, and that's the problem with Jack. So both of them are, they're both of them are crazy enough. I think that they would have fought through a cold tire. Yeah. Bend it or win it, right? They would have yep. fought through that cold tire. Yeah, bender it or win it. <laughs> bender it or winner it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened to Jack, but he was banging off of people in that first lap. I mean, there was a lot of banging going on, which is great. Yeah. I yeah. like it, but, but the last two weeks, Jack's been right in the middle of just bouncing off of people, holding people up, taking weird lines. I mean, it, it's like he's, he's stretching a little bit and not letting it come to him. Yeah, I don't know, because the bike... The bike is there. When he gets in a rhythm, he's got it. But it kind of feels like he knows the bike's there, and he's trying to take it further than there. And that's messing him up, if that makes so, any sense. Yeah, it feels a little bit like patience in the beginning. Yeah. Like you were starting from 12, so I think in his mind he needed to make up 10 spots in the first 200 lap. Feet. That, yeah, <laughs> 250 feet to have any chance at podium or winning. So he did. I mean, he was moving right up the ranks. But again, I if he would have finished 10th, I may or may not have yelled. I'm <laughs> well, I love Jack. I, I've i kind of marked him off on the championship this year. Just saying. Which, well, not that he was ever necessarily the... there, but he's... I'm a bigger fan. I marked him off before the season started. Don't get me wrong. I just... yeah. <laughs> Well, I just remember last year, if you had asked me at this point last year who was going to win, it would have been Cuadraro. Yeah. Right? The first course. half of the season. 90 points. Yeah. Right? And so we're pretty pretty similar to that right now, and we're only halfway, and i got to remind myself that anything can happen in that last half. Keep it on the KTM. i got to talk about him. Augusto. And with Augusto comes the baby Jesus. Nunez, right? Make sure I'm not getting my names wrong. No, Acosta. Yeah, Acosta. Mr. Pizza. That's right. Okay. Why did I say Nunez? That's because you've been... Texting the wife all weekend about Nunez. That's because he's the greatest. Yeah, yeah okay. We'll, we'll get to him in a minute. Pedro Acosta. 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 Pedro. Yeah. So, best thing since freaking sliced bread, Mark Marquez, whatever you want to call it. You know, Rossi, Mark, 
Pedro Costa. He's the next guy. He's the winner. He's he's going to be that guy. They finally like hit MotoGP press and MotoGP commentators and all of that. Like it's finally in their news now, right? I'd say this week. We've kind of been talking about it a little bit. They are now talking about it, which I think is because that June 30th deadline. Mm-hmm. Right. They were talking about that and they, they were actually showing Augusto Fernandez and they mm-hmm. said that, you know, Acosta says, well, I deserve a spot in MotoGP. And then Augusto Fernandez at some point was like, well, so do I. And then I watched him today, yesterday, also a little bit, but today just solidified it. He was behind Stefan Brattle, a test rider on one of the only Hondas left in that race. The most unrideable bike on the circuit being ridden by a test rider who's never finished in the top. 10 i think as a test rider right that's not his job and he's holding up a guy that's on the same bike that is currently holding second place and held first for a decent part of the race okay i'm gonna devil's advocate that go ahead i think it's so unfair to take these young kids throw them in there their first year and then put so much pressure on and ktm is guilty 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 of being unfair to their riders okay last year they had the other fernandez and remy gardner they gave them Mm -hmm. one year Arguably, they didn't do much of anything, but they sacked both of them after one year, effectively yeah. ru- ruining Remy's career. Remy, he showed signs. He won a championship for him the year before in Moto2. Right. Somebody wins a championship for your brand, you step them up a notch, and you can't give them one year to learn before firing them. KTM's already on the radar for firing those two guys. Fernandez gets on that bike. He won the championship last year. Yeah. In Moto2, he's also won a championship for you. You're going to put him on the bike. You're going to talk about firing him. And that that kid has been doing good all year. He's been showing signs. You know, he's a 10th place rider. but He's been doing okay. I'll give you that. He's been doing okay. I mean, he's not Mark Marquez's first year in MotoGP. Don't get me wrong. But we have to have, you know, fifth place and back also. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he's well, been, no. everybody can't win. We just have Ducatis. Just wait. <laughs> this week was pretty good, actually. <laughs> If you so, if you've stopped listening to us for the most part because all we do is talk about how Ducati wins and then we end the podcast, go watch this week's race. It was pretty good. It wasn't a Ducati takeover completely. So that Fernandez stuff you're talking about was in the media on Thursday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he said he deserved to be there, that was in the media on Thursday. And then the kid had to go out there and race. He put it down in both practices. He put it down in qualifying. That's not typical of him. That's not what he's been doing. He's been just riding clean, riding his race, learning the bike slash track. I mean, he knows the tracks, but knowing how to ride him with a GP bike. Yeah. He's just been going about his business, doing a great job as a rookie, in my opinion. And now you're going to start loading that pressure on him. I would hope KTM has a plan and it doesn't involve firing him. I would hope that they've talked to him. They would go and say, hey, you're safe, buddy. We we love you. You're going to keep going. Because I took this weekend as the pressure's building up on him. He's got to go prove something because Pedro's down there winning every race. And yeah. And talking in the media. I have pulled up the contracts for next year. Franco Morbidelli, Alex Marquez... DG, Joan Zarco, Marini, Bezecchi, and then Augusto and Nakagami. Those are all of your 2023 contract riders. So a couple of those are options for 2024. Some of them are just pure end of 2023. And I mean, we've been talking about that quite a bit. That is like the big talk. It's that time of year now that it's kind of starting to settle in. I think especially with the fact that Bagnaya is doing so well, the big question is what's going to happen next year. Not just Bagnaya doing so well, but I would say that Yamaha and Honda doing so poorly as as bikes. If we're going to go ahead and adopt that, maybe we are, maybe we aren't, whatever. But that's what the, the general MotoGP press is adopting. And so they've kind of, the big talk now is where is everyone going to be? Silly season rumors. So Grissini just signed with Ducati for another okay. year. Mm-hmm. That's important because 
I didn't I didn't realize this part as I've been talking, but you know I keep bringing up Husqvarna. Yeah, Husqvarna may or may not have been courting Grassini to mm, okay to come over and become the Husqvarna factory team, right? Because if you notice, Gas Gas is called Gas Gas Factory Racing. Mm-hmm. That's because they're considered they're not a satellite team anymore. Gas Gas is a Gas Gas Factory team, right? It's not a KTM. It's a Gas Gas. Yeah, and and we know they're all sharing everything and. It, it is. It is whether it is or not. But then I'm sure Husqvarna was going to or is going to be the same. They still need two bikes on the grid. I haven't said the Husky thing isn't going to happen. But I did hear a rumor. All it is a rumor at this point. Pedro and KTM have both been in the media saying that mm-hmm. he's coming. But you haven't heard KTM say anything. We all know KTM wants him. We all know every team out there wants him. Yeah. But uh, one of the rumors I heard that made sense to me, Paul is talking retirement behind the scenes. And out of respect for Paul, KTM is not saying anything because they want him to announce it when he's ready. Right. The way he wants to. And if Paul retires, there's your spot on a gas gas team for Pedro. Yep. Yeah. He's not he's sense. not getting on an orange bike. Well, Brad and yeah, Jack not, aren't aren't moving. Yeah. He ain't not in his first year. He could come he could come next year on a gas gas and win five races and Jack's fired. I'm sorry. But Jack could probably yeah. do that. Well, and the only, so that would make the only factory place for him. If now I know KTM wants him, is probably gonna have him, all of that. We got that. But the only factory place technically available is Yamaha, which it's up in question also because where is Morbidelli actually going to go? So we also have in Moto2, Tony Arbolino. Mm-hmm. I know Ducati's got their eye on him, but right. Yamaha surely is looking at him as well. You've got three players coming out of Moto2. You got Pedro, you got Tony Arbolino, mm-hmm. and you got on or not on Chu. Uh, he's the Japanese rider for Team Honda. They've uh, been talking about him for years taking Nakagami's job. Yeah. I'm having Which a hard I- time. You can't get how rid can... of Taka. He's the only one doing anything yeah. for Honda. <laughs> I was like, how can Honda get rid of him? <laughs> it, it's long been rumored that he's going to become a test rider for Honda. I believe it. I mean, I, so he hasn't done anything amazing. Yeah, He ain't going to win but no championship. But This season, he has been the only one to consistently keep the bike on the track. And today. So, so good today. He got a long line penalty. And still finished pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. What, 10th? 12th? Yeah. Well, Let's filter over to Honda for a minute. Oh, eight, eight. I forgot that everyone left the race. So let, let's be last let, place. Let, let's filter over to Honda. We'll even leave old golden underwear out for a minute. Okay. Lekuona, World I Superbike guess. Honda rider. Yeah. Came over, was having a great day by his standards. He was able to be ahead of all those fill-in riders, those mm-hmm. test riders, those all at the bottom, even before the crashes. Yep. Guy was doing great. And what happened to him? He pulled off. He had a mechanical of some sort. Yeah. Even even when a guy comes out there and shows some promise, HRC has some other problem. Yeah. You know, now the now the bike broke. Yeah, it was really I don't know because I, I saw him pull into the pits and then they said, "Oh man, more downhill for Honda." Like Honda once again, you know. And I was just like, "What happened?" I don't know. Okay. I, I was rooting for the guy. I, we got to move to Golden Underwear. Sure. While, while we're talking about Honda, what is up with him? I mean, when you called him, when you were talking to him, what did he say? Where's his head at? So he said he's awfully distracted. He's kind of actually just quite pissed off. Uh, <laughs> he keeps telling the media that he's there for Honda, and he does want to be, which is why he keeps saying that. But he's really only saying that because he's hoping that Honda will take that and actually do some work and, and make a bike. And, and he's saying, like, he doesn't want to be done, but he's not going to Rossi it. 
He's not going to sit there for three or four years and not win anything and then leave. He can't win. He'll be out. So he's going to give Honda another chance. And I hope that they show promise near the end of the year and then hope that they can put something together next year. Be good to go. He also said that his wreck into the back of Bastianini was 100% not his fault. (laughs) <laughs> which I don't blame Bastianini either, but you go to a track day and like one of the biggest things you get told is never chop your throttle, right? Never chop, chop throttle, which is weird because if you're coming up to a breaking point, what do you do? Chop your throttle, chop your throttle, right? And then downshift and then break. So that always was weird to me. And let's break this situation apart. He was looking that way. Bastianini was coming well outside and you could say, well, yeah, he shouldn't have been towing anyway, blah, 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 blah. But it was very clear that he was not watching Bastianini. And then also very clear that Bastianini did like move and slow down quickly out of almost out of nowhere. I don't blame Bastianini because he wasn't in the race line, but I don't really blame Mark either. We are not on the same page here. Okay, go for it. What do you got? Lucky, luckily for us, they had the actual camera from Mark's bike. Mm-hmm. And I challenge you, if you go back and watch that, they had both. I mean, he was following Bastianini, yeah. which is not what I'm blaming it on. I know there's people blaming it on. That's what you get when you're trying to tow all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't even blame it on that. Bastianini obviously moved completely offline, sat up on the bike. And if you watch the camera view from Mark, I challenge you to go back and watch it. If you watch okay. the camera view from Mark. He was sitting up on that bike for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And Mark had actually sat up as well. Mm-hmm. And they were both looking over their shoulder. They were looking around. And then he just casually runs into the back of him. I feel like, sure, he chopped the throttle. But that was way, way before Mark ever hit him. Mark had chopped the throttle, too. Yeah, they did. They did. And they both came offline. And then, like I said, Mark was looking way off to the right. And as he was doing that, Bastianini slowed down again. And you can see it. You watch it from the angle of both bikes in the front. You see Bastianini slow down. I'm not going back to correction corner on this one. Whatever. My opinion's going to stay the same. I'll watch your footage. I'll watch your angle. My opinion's not changing here. All right. Neither is mine. No, I don't know. That was... <laughs> stuff happens. But yeah. I just... In my mind, Bastianini is 1% of that, if any. Sure. Well, I, like I said, I didn't really blame Bastianini either. Well, it's, Mark it's Mark's been paying job attention. to watch what's in front of him. Yeah. As they yeah, always no, it's Yeah. You're in charge of what's in front of you. It's 100% Mark's fault, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think it was, like, a big mess up on Mark's part. His fault? Yeah. Should he have been paying attention and looking at who was in front of him? Yes, but I don't so did, think that it was, like, a... Did Mark ever intend to race today? Um. Yeah, in our conversation, he said that uh, he was planning on it, but <laughs> after yesterday... So he didn't, got... try, he didn't try yesterday. No. And still crashed twice. Yeah. But he didn't try. That was it was obvious that he didn't try. I don't blame him for that. Like and trying trying is probably the wrong word because he went out and got data. Yeah. He went out and drove around the track and who knows how much work they accomplished. He just tooled around the back of the track. He never really went for a fast time. They might have been making changes all day, saying, Does it get squiggly when you do this? You know, we don't care about the race. We're just trying to get data, which he has kind of said mm-hmm. that he's gonna work with Honda to make the bike better. And yeah. that's what it looked like to me. But I don't think there was ever a... Well, that, that is what he said, 100%, is he said that our only goal this weekend, we are not going to push, right? We are only going to ride the bike, try and keep it upright. I think that there's... Mark is Mark, and That's he's a racer. That's understand. Right, yeah. He's he's a racer at the end of the day. Uh, and that's what everyone always talks about, and it's 100% true. You can see it, right? Regardless of your opinions of him, the dude wants to win. Whether he is capable anymore would like put all that aside what he wants to do is win races and win championships absolutely and he still wants that kind of hard to see and uh obvious yeah that he wasn't 
trying to win anymore. But yeah, he 100%. Uh, I think he did plan on racing Sunday. I was laughing that the, the one commentator kept talking about oh man, racing with a broken or a cracked rib. He he said he can barely breathe. It's going to be so hard. And I was just cracking up because, and the other one, I think Simon caught him. It was like, all of them do that. You can't just say that about Mark. They all do that. Right. The guy was like, well, yeah, but you know, and I was like, no, 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 no. Simon's 100% correct. Yeah, right now he is struggling, but you got to look around because he wasn't the only one this weekend either. I mean, Quateraro had a freaking, every time he walked in, he could barely freaking walk because yeah, his ankle was so ankle. swollen or whatever. Alicia's got a messed up ankle. Bashanini's still dealing with a shoulder. Miguel Oliveira's shoulder still doesn't work. Yeah, people deal with like broken fingers and crap. All that like it actually quite amazes me. You know, you want to compare this to a to any other sport, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about basketball since we always use football, right? But in basketball, you go down, and people are always talking about. How, I don't know. I don't watch basketball, but I've heard people be like, "Oh man." <laughs> They have to act like sissies because, you know, that's how you get the foul and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you want to talk about people that can do things that are ridiculous. I don't think I could ride a motorcycle with a broken finger. So I get the announcers need to talk about something, but it's not just physical injuries. I mean, exactly like you said, you said not to bring up football, but that's something that always annoyed me is certain people, they just chime in on this one little injury they have and just sit there and call them a warrior and... And the guy mm -hmm. that never whines about it, never says anything, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yep. They're out there just racing and nobody ever says anything about it. But it's not just physical. So Aleish today had the broken up bike. Mm -hmm. What an absolute warrior. He's going through the thing in the winglets broken off the front of his bike. Can you imagine, the, you know, yeah. how the struggle and the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, his winglet worked fine last week and he didn't do anything. So that's why that arrow just cracks me up, though. Well, what is it doing if you can knock it off one side of the bike and still ride that well? You know, maybe props to, sure, let's let's take it off that side and say Aleish is amazing because he was able to do that. But tell me what the freak the point of it is. I didn't ever see it like wheelie up on that side. Yeah. He took so, left and right hand turns and I mean, he was in people's slipstream. Like he was right behind Brad Bender quite a bit and I didn't ever see. You got to be on the bike to know. I understand that. And these guys ride these bikes hard enough well enough and enough they spend enough time on them that they have they have room to say things like that you know because I, I heard him talking apparently Alesh mentioned that when he's in the slipstream his tire pressure and temperature goes up so high that it makes it extremely difficult and blah 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 blah. And i was like what and i have to remind myself i'm like okay all right when you ride them that much and you've been in different scenarios like that often enough i i, I can see where that comes from but why do you need a wing if you can delete one of them and it doesn't do anything to the bike I don't know. I've I've had an argument even with the tire pressure stuff is I don't think I've used that story before, but I put a temperature gauge on a three wheeler, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day and a buddy of mine came yeah. up. Have I used that story before? I don't know if you haven't here, but oh, well, we get new listeners every week, right? <laughs> so I put a temperature gauge on this thing. We're out in the middle of the desert. Buddy of mine pulls up and he looks over there and he says, what is that? And I said, oh man, that's my new sweet temperature gauge. It's so cool. For those that don't know, those don't have any temperature gauge. Yeah, no we're more. talking air cooled. Yeah, air-cooled, two-stroke. Yep. No, it's liquid-cooled, two-stroke, two actually. Okay. But this was just a, a gauge that goes right in line with the to the radiator, your coolant mm -hmm. hose. And I was it's all billet. It was so sweet. And I was showing him, and he goes, why would you do that? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, what are you going to do? I said, what do you mean? I'm going to know how hot it is now. And he goes, well, if it's hotter than you want, are we going to stop? Are you still going to just drive it back to the camp like you would if you didn't know how hot it was? Yeah. I, I thought about that and I went, he's not wrong. Yeah. 
under normal conditions, I would have just been driving going, man, it's getting hot down here, but I still would have went back to camp. Right. These guys are now constantly given all this information. Oh, my tire's a degree hotter than it was on the last lap. Should I slow down? Should I back off this bike? And sometimes I wonder if they're doing a disservice. Just ride it to how it feels. If it starts getting greasy, then you know it's getting too hot. Yeah. Well, and that's the question I think is picking, for me, is picking apart those riders that separating them into those groups. And I wonder how many of them rely on that information and take it seriously and depend on it. And how many of them... Just, the commentators are always talking like, well, this guy has got to be calculating. Like, he knows this guy's behind him. He knows he's on a soft tire and he's 13 laps out of 20 and he's got, he's been too close to this bike. Like, you noticed Francesco stayed back from whoever for two laps because he knew he wasn't going to pass yet. So he didn't want to get his tire overheated and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did he, like, so, actually? Or? No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because during the race, uh, that's what was said. And I think that's what you're referring to. But Brad Bender was on Peco's behind Peco. Mm -hmm. And and that's what the announcer said was like, Peko knows that he's on a soft tire and da 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 da. And maybe he's going to push now to try to break him and get him to use up that soft tire. And I'm thinking there's 20 something bikes on the grid. Did he really memorize what everybody's tire or did he just know that it was going to be him and Bender on lap 15 racing each other? I don't know. I mean, they go through, they get limited information. They get Bender plus two, right? Or plus one yeah, or there's whatever. No way, and there's no debunk. There's no comms in the helmet. They won't do that in MotoGP yet. They can send messages on the board, but there's no way they're covering stuff like that. By the way, Brad Bender's behind you, plus two, and also on soft tire. And right. half the time, like, half the time, the freaking commentators don't even know because the team will swap it right at the end. Yep. They go out and let it known, you know, let it be known I'm on a medium. And then right at the end, they're like, grab me a soft. So no one knows, right? I don't know. It's insane. I, I feel like there are a couple riders still on the grid that just go ride the bikes. And I want to make a guess at who it is, but I don't actually know if I know who it is. Jack's it would one be, of them. I think so. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think so. It's it's just weird. And maybe maybe that's the wrong answer. Maybe MotoGP is above that now, and those people are going to slowly get weeded out, and it's not going to last. You're not going to make it. You can't just win racing by feeling and knowing, or by feel anymore you have to know you have to have the data right in front of you i don't know well obviously peko won the race and he's amazing and all, all yeah, those yeah, things yeah, yeah. But, but how about that bezecchi you think uh you think him and valentino have conversations about you need to your fan engagement needs to be high you need to if you want to be the next superstar because that guy makes an effort that guy's with yeah. the fans he seems to love the people yeah I like listening to him talk because he's like an Italian caveman. What I, <laughs> I don't know. I like Bezzecchi. I'm hoping he can put a couple more races together like that. Because at the beginning of the season, it was he was there, and then he kind of fell off. And maybe it's just by you know track by track, and that's what makes a true champion is the guy that can do it no matter what the track. And the new word on the street is Bezzecchi will be on Zarco's Premac next year. Okay. That'll be his step up because they don't have room on the factory team. So does that put Morbidelli in Pizzecchi's bike? Puts Morbidelli next to Luca Marini on the VR46 bike. And that still leaves an open spot for the other Fabio. Mm -hmm. DG's going to go somewhere else, whether that's World Superbike or back to Moto2. We'll yeah. see. But that's going to free up a Grassini bike. Now that they've signed with Ducati, we know for sure they're going to be there next year. Ducati has come out and said they will have eight bikes next year mm -hmm. without signing of Grassini, but they did not promise anything for the future. So mm -hmm. 
and kind of left it open that they could drop back down to six. There's room for Grassini to go to Yamaha as a satellite team. There's room for Grassini to go at Husqvarna. Maybe KTM needed one more year. I don't know. You know those guys are trying to plan way out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Last year, I wouldn't have, I would not have expected what we've gotten out of KTM. Absolutely not. Like even watching, I mean, I watched the Valencia test last year, postseason, right? The first test of 2023. That's in November of the year before. Never would have expected anything yeah, out of KTM this year. They look to be nowhere. But I also wouldn't have expected Honda to be as as bad as they are doing, or Yamaha for that matter. I expected Quattararo, Quattararo to struggle, but not like this. No. So it'll be an interesting year. Yeah, not to not to go back to KTM one more time, but we do need to talk about. So rounding out the podium, Peko yep, wins. Yep. Bazzetti in second, mm-hmm. and Brad Bender was third, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb, so dumb. Brad Bender in the sprint race mm-hmm. got a lot of news media, got a lot of coverage because in third place, last lap, touched the green ever so slightly, but he touched the green. Automatically had to drop a spot, lost his podium spot yep. in the sprint. Today in the race, valiant fight on a soft tire. Keeping yeah, a no. sh- uh, I said, yeah, no, did did very good. Keeping Alesh at bay, fought hard. You know, that last 10 laps, did mm-hmm. everything. Alesh and Jorge Martin were obviously faster than him. He was able to push it. I mean, they, they were closed up on the back of him. Yeah, yep. They couldn't get around him. Last lap, the next day, kisses the green again and gets kicked off the podium for the second day in a row. And that's why Aleish was on the podium today. And let me point something else out. Let me point something else out. Did you see Fabio during the sprint, his reaction? So yesterday, Fabio got pushed up to the podium because Brad had hit the green. Right. What did he say in his interview? I didn't watch it. He said, I hate to win it this way. Sorry for Brad. On and on and on. Mm Mm-hmm. Aleish did his regular, as soon as they announced, like he was still on the bike doing the cool down lap. As mm-hmm. soon as they announced that he was taking that spot. Oh, I'm the queen. I'm the queen of England. They're throwing <laughs> flowers for him. He He's signing autographs. He's carrying the flag around. He's like, goes yeah. nutsoid. And then mm-hmm. never said anything about it. He just deserved to be there, of course. Yeah, and obviously took the spot. <laughs> and I'm He knew. Saying- he knew that Brad Bender on his soft rear tire was gonna. Well, so he knew there was no reason to pass. Yeah. Way to go, Alesh. The pressure you continued to put on him is what forced the mistake in the end. Yeah. And I'm thinking Brad Bender doesn't know where the track is, possibly right there. <laughs> yeah. Or you just get too caught up in it that I don't know. The track limits, I understand, right? Because we can't just be always on the outside inside whatever you want on the stripes but it kind of cracks me up how crazy they're being about it this year well that's all that's a that's a whole argument though is i would change that rule myself i don't know it might change the whole scope of racing but the argument is that the green is represents grass that's why it's green it represents grass so if the bike was to go off the track into the grass that he would have crashed right is the reasoning the fact that it's cement there that's painted green is what allowed him to cut that corner and continue on and get that advantage but if less than half of your tire is on the green it doesn't matter if that was nails yeah if less than half of your tire he's still on the track i would at least and i know they think about it and there's no right answer like everything there's always problems right but in my yeah. mind if the whole tire doesn't go into the green i'm, I'm gonna i, I want to talk about know. moto three and i want to talk about moto two today briefly but okay. let's bounce over to moto two real quick just to say Pedro Acosta got a long lap penalty today. Okay. 
Pedro Acosta had to go do the long lap penalty. Mm -hmm. As he went through the long lap penalty, he obviously, brutally obviously, well, let's let's back up. He had a Mark Marquez type save during the race. He lost the bike. Tire was like doing this on the ground. He's on the ground and he pushed it back up. He had, he was in running in third at the time, I believe. And there was a big enough gap behind him that it didn't affect anything. He was pushing, trying to get to the front. So nobody passed him, you know, whatever. He loses, loses the bike, but saves it. Miraculous, right? Amazing. Mm -hmm. He was able to push it up. He looked over his shoulder. He slowed down. And pulled back out into the track and went. They gave him the penalty, the long lap penalty, because he didn't lose enough on that lap. Which yeah. happens. So if you go off track and then mm-hmm. re-enter the track, that's fine. But you need to if let you, the people... If you take a shortcut on accident and yes. then use it as a shortcut, then yes. you get a penalty. Yes. understand. But they have a time. So what they do is they look at your lap before. And they say, you were running a 133, let's say. And on this lap where you had the incident, you still ran a 134. But we need you to be penalized enough to run a 135. So they said he, he was... He didn't go off track. That was a... He went out of bounds. Down. He did go out okay. of bounds. When he when he saved it, he, w- he went out of bounds. It wasn't like taking a shortcut. It was over the green, though, out in... There was cement there. There was a runoff yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But he went off track, came back on, but he, he sat up. He looked over his shoulder. Nobody was coming. So is he supposed to go 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, 3, 1,000? No. Your Pedro goes, you know? Like, that's that's ridiculous. So Because the, if you make a mistake and your lap is slower, but you made a mistake, you correct, and you move on, and your lap is slower, else. then you're done. That's it. Who cares? Yeah, plus... I, don't need, I am not the decider of... Because who's to say, too... There the are second half have, of the lap could have been faster. Right. And there, but also there's people that have ridden into the grass and dirt and like almost put the bike down and then saved it and came back on and then like done amazing, crazy things to go win a race after that. Things happen. It's, uh So they give him a long lap penalty. They're trying to turn everyone into robots. <laughs> they give him a long lap penalty. He goes through the long lap penalty box and absolutely clear as day drives over the green. Hell yeah. Like you can see the white line on the opposing <laughs> side of his tire, right? He yeah. completely crossed into the green, almost crashes, comes back out on track. The announcers are, ah, he's going to have another one. And there was only like three, four laps to go. So it needs to happen fairly quick, right? Mm-hmm. And it just, the laps are ticking off and he's out there racing. He's in a heated battle for third, even after the long lap penalty. He's in a heated battle and they never called it. Mm-hmm. It was brutally obvious. Nobody ever called it. And there you go. Did KTM go up in there and yell at him for the last one? That's my, I think that might be my biggest issue is that I do feel like there's a lot of, like the stewards have become very active this year and it's not consistent. Right. And they're trying to fix that by just overdoing it. Right. Which they might have not ever been consistent. This year they came out of nowhere and started doing a lot very inconsistently. And it feels like they're trying to fix it by just being like even more like, you literally think about going over that line or you think about getting too close to that guy or your head moves the wrong way when you got too close to that guy, long lap penalty. Give up two places. Let's well, even yeah. this race out. And I don't claim to know all the rules perfect, but it ruins it for me too because now I'm watching and why didn't you call a penalty? Yeah, you know? well, I, I don't do that, but I well, get where, you, where you're coming from. Today, going back to MotoGP, when Bender... Went over the green at the end. Mm-hmm. In that shot, Jorge Martins behind Aleish goes further into the green on the last lap. Goes further into the green than Brad Bender does. Yeah. And I'm off the couch going, penalty! 
penalty, penalty. You know, if you're going to call that on Bender, then make him drop a spot too. And then maybe they're maybe they're just trying to get more American watchers. <laughs> well, they're like, well, how do we make it more like an American sport? Uh, oh, well, they'd love to yell at the refs, so let's just. Well, maybe, but I'm sitting there watching, and then I'm waiting for the announcers. I'm like, something needs to happen to Jorge. Then, if you're going to penalize Brad. But apparently, since he was the tail end of that group, he wasn't fighting for a position, so it doesn't matter for him. Brad was the beginning of the group. He wasn't fighting for a position. He had it. Jorge was fighting for it more than Brad was. I think so. because He, he was, was fighting to, to get it. Brad. Brad already had it. Brad was defending. That's not really fighting. That's what I mean. What? So I don't understand it. I think drop them all back a spot, damn it. <sighs> this is dumb. <laughs> and and there's no way if that was Lon again if that if that was Lon he wouldn't he wouldn't have crashed kissing the green yeah. would have made him crash right and it takes away their ability to I mean some of Rossi's most famous that pass at Laguna Seca mm-hmm. of was that of Stoner Mm-mm. Mark mm-hmm. sorry Mark was the one in the dirt okay but totally in the but, dirt yeah yeah totally in actually the dirt. both tires I've had to- I've had to go back and rewatch it because it, I thought it was actually in the dirt, which was the insane part. Not quite, but definitely dirty cement. Definitely on the other side of the line. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, with a pothole. Yeah. When they're yeah, no, that too. was <laughs> like of all moves in MotoGP. That one's crazy. But then there was another time that Rossi, yeah, like cut a corner in the last lap of a race, just like completely blew it, and then looked back and was like, whatever, the straight's right here. I'm not going to not go and went. And then they just didn't do anything about it. And he won the race when that like very obviously like was fighting for a position, went in too hot, stood the bike up, rode through a corner, actually like took a shortcut and then very clearly made the decision to not wait for everyone and just take it. And they didn't do anything about it. So, yeah. So the problem is, and I've heard other people say this in a different way, but the problem is, is if you make a highlight reel of the greatest races in MotoGP history, Mm -hmm greatest finishes, all those kind of things. A large portion of them are going to be questionable by today's standards. Yeah. They hit another bike. There was contact. There was guys driving through the grass. Well, and that's what, that's what makes me mad about it. I think is that I feel like riders and teams and they're just getting, they're all getting butthurt. So they're all going up and be like, this is not fair. We need more. This guy is clearly reckless out there. You must watch him. You must give him penalty. Right. And just be faster. (laughs) Like, (laughs) If you can consistently be in front of everyone, then it doesn't matter what they all do. And so unless unless you're Bagnaya, then it still matters. And you, even though you're consistently in front of everyone, you still want them to be slower. MotoGP should have been Pecco, Bezzecchi, Brad Binder. But yep. they gave Belaish the spot. So Brad Binder finished in fourth, both in the sprint. Yep. Uh, actually, I, I think. Let me double check that. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so that was MotoGP. Yep. Let's talk a little Moto2. Okay. I mean, we already started down that road, but yeah. Moto2, Pedro Acosta, mm-hmm. he's made up five points. He was down 25 at one time to Tony Arbolino. Mm-hmm. He's made it five points the last two weeks by winning the two races in a row with Tony Arbolino finishing second. Uh, the last two races have been Pedro Acosta, Tony Arbolino, and Jake Dixon, who has never won a race. Right. Yep. Jake Jake Dixon is British. Jake Dixon, I only bring that up because he's one of them riders that Moto America would uh, make excuses if they could, do anything they could to get him moved up into MotoGP because mm-hmm. it's good, good for the sport to have another Brit out there. Or yep. ever since Cal left, the Brits are left without representation, just like us poor Americans. Yeah. Uh, Joe Roberts crashed, by the way. 
you need to just get that out of the way. You ask me why I don't watch Moto Two. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just one guy. It's a. I yeah, I understand that. I just don't know that I want to sit there and watch that week. I forgot. Week I forgot week. about him. I just don't even. You brought it up last week, and I thought about that a little bit, and I thought, you know what? I don't even look for their names anymore, and that's sad. Like I always sad. look for their names, even though even though they're not going to win. I like. I want to know where they finished. Oh, Joe Roberts finished. He got back on a bike. Where did he finish? Dylan Kelly wrecked out. Joe Roberts finished 18th. <laughs> yeah, he wrecked. He must have got back on. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So I don't even watch for him anymore. Yeah. Well, you can't. Uh, I, I mean, you, it's hard to watch for people that never show up on camera and never get talked about. So. Well, I mean, even in the stats, I don't even look. I used to at least check and say, you know, he finished 18th. I didn't know that until you said that because I don't even, I don't even right. care. I heard that yep. maybe it was last week, actually, but that was the first time he'd made it to Q2 without having to come through Q1. So that's promising. That's a bonus. Yeah, I guess. One track. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, back to the front of this thing. So Tony Arbolino had an off day. Mm -hmm. Tony Arbolino has finished the last two races in second behind Pedro. Uh, this week he was hanging around sixth, seventh. Um, couldn't ever get anything going. You know, he never really moved. There were a lot of chances. There was people crashing out. There was all kinds of things happening. He just kind of hung out in that spot. Mm -hmm. So it was a great time for Pedro to, you know, cement this and get the championship back. He didn't, dealing with some of the things we already talked about. He uh, had to do a long lap penalty. Then he had to come back from that, all those kind of things. But he's, he's coming. The kids, he's still. He is Italian, so. No, yeah. Arbolino's Italian. Acosta's yeah. a Spaniard. Yeah. Did you I mean Acosta's coming for Arbolino? Yes. Okay. Because Arbolino's right. still leading him. After this race, he's yeah. still leading him. Uh, 11, okay, I think. Okay, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, Arbolino by eight. Eight points. Did you yep. did you hear did you hear what Zarco said about Acosta? Yeah, he said he hopes he wins a race by the end of the year because he won't be able to next year. <laughs> uh, how That's do you if you're Acosta, when you see him in the media, I have a hard time, like, I'm starting to get this little itch, like, eh, kid, you're a little too, you're arrogant. You're a little too know. whatever. But because everybody the, says it. So I, I said, right, the next Mark Marquez, I only said that because I heard the commentators say that this weekend. I heard them mention, not exactly like that, but they said, you know, he's the next something, something. Much like Mark Marquez, we haven't really had one since Mark Marquez. Right. Where the someone next, comes in and just takes the next it. Next genius, they said. Yeah. That's a new word so, they've been throwing around, genius. Because I don't... How long has he been in Moto2? This is his second year. So he came into the Moto3 class, won the championship first year, dominated, destroyed it. I mean, there was no question. So mm -hmm. they immediately moved him up to Moto2. Moto2, he came right out of the gate fine. I mean, he wasn't... I think he won a race. He was up there. He was running okay. And then he broke his leg. He missed a significant portion of the season last year. It also came out that KTM are trying to force him to take it easy that first year. Mm -hmm. And they were actually turning the power down on the bike intentionally. Interesting. Yeah. You look into it. You can fact check me okay. on that. But I've heard that multiple places because there's jokes about give Pedro the power. Right. Because they, they wanted him to just calm down. And partially because... Uh, our Fernandez boy, they were trying to win a championship with him right. last year. They were trying to win a championship with him, and then Pedro was up there banging bars with everybody because that's the kind of guy he is. He don't care. He's going for the win. And mm -hmm. I think they were trying to 
calm him down so they could get the championship where they needed it. And then, so they gave him this second year and now he's got all the power and it's his to win. It'll be interesting. I, from the stats and there could be backstage things going on, but from the stats, I wouldn't quite put him on a Mark pedestal, if you will. He's won. You can fact check me on this. If you do, that'd be good because I'm pretty sure he had won five of seven going into this race. Yeah. So now five of eight and one third place podium. And I think he had a, he had a poor showing in the rain and he had one DNF in Le Mans. 2023 uh, results. I want. Fifth in the standings, Acosta scored four victories in 2023 and sits second in the championship, 15 points. That was right before this weekend. So four races he's won. So four out of seven. F- five now. Or, yeah, no, four. Yeah, because he didn't win this weekend either. So, I mean, that's that's pretty Mark, Mark-ish. Yeah, I don't know. I never watched Mark's Moto2 season or Moto3 season, for that matter. I don't have... I guess I, I can't make a decision exactly, but again... I think backstage part of how fast that, he was able to, because there's a you never know what's going to happen when a guy moves from Moto three to Moto two. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that bike doesn't work with him anymore or mm-hmm. whatever. But he already had a lot of clout, and when he came into Moto two, he like immediately was the number one qualifier in testing in the off season before that year. He had he's setting track records, doing all this kind of stuff, and then he goes in and he's competitive right out of the gate. So I guess that'll be that. Yeah, and that would be the. The decider right there is, can he come to MotoGP and immediately do well? Because Augusto Fernandez, we just talked about, was not bad in Moto2 and comes to MotoGP and isn't necessarily bad, but definitely isn't amazing. Unlike the geniuses that have been out there that have come straight up to MotoGP, which I would say that Mark's technically the first one to do that or the only one to do that with a 1,000cc bike. So every youth record that Mark has held, Mm -hmm. earliest to win this, quickest to win that, Pedro has destroyed all those. He's the youngest guy to win a Moto2 race. He was the youngest guy to win a Moto3 championship. He was the youngest. I mean, he's only 18 now. Yeah. I think he just... So here's here's the question. Did Mark say he's ready because he knows he's actually not and he wants him to come in and then not be as good? So when Pedro was in Moto3, they did some like stuff together, Mark and Pedro, as far as like videos together or stuff, media stuff. Yeah. And they're both Spanish. They were being quite friendly. You know, Mark said back then the same thing. I seem to recall him saying the same thing when they said they were already moving him to Moto2. Mark said, if he says he's ready, then he's ready. And he's, I think he's just saying the same thing again. If he says he's ready, he's ready. You know, they asked that same question to Jack, who I really think Jack has more say than anybody probably. Reason being, he's until Darren Bender, he's the only rider that shot straight from Moto3 to MotoGP. Right. And that was maybe a mistake. I mean, it got him there. It's worked out fine, right? Yeah. But yeah. he skipped that whole step, and who knows if that would have made him a better rider today. Or... Go buy the leader bike. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tying it in. Jack Miller agrees with us. Just go buy it. <laughs> so I don't know, but he's coming. Whether KTM likes it or not, Yeah, it'll be quite interesting. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited for next year. Super excited for next year. Pretty stoked for the last half of this season. I just, I'm hoping that not even Mr. Golden Underwear, but someone does something, right, and brings it. I'm hoping KTM stays right where they're at, and maybe they just work together to, can we get both of them to not wreck one week and do well? And then the next week they both wreck, and then, (laughs) so at least like every other week I have like a, you know, like 
Bagnaya being chased by Jack, being chased by Brad, being chased by Pizeki, and they just all fight it out up there. Because the other thing is that when you have two dudes, VR46 trained on a Ducati, fighting for a championship out in front, I don't know what's going on backstage, and I don't know that they're not both just saying, hey, let's just get out of here. Is if you bring in, I guarantee, if Mark was up there, and Jack was up there, and Elaish every week, everyone would be up there every week because it would bring everyone back in, right? right? And so that's what I'm hoping for the second half of the season is that there's just enough push that it can bring everyone back and therefore we have bigger groups again. Because that, that also gives a, people like Augusto Fernandez a chance to look a lot better because they could end up up there in fifth, you know, top five because they're good enough to run there. They just don't get a chance to get there first, if that makes sense. Yep. So we have to touch on Moto3. Okay. For all those announcers talking bad about my boy, they're really starting to offend me. So remember last year I kept telling you, you got to watch Moto3, man. You got to watch this Munoz kid. Munoz. Munoz. Yeah. David. Uh-huh. Not David. David. David Munoz. David. Nope. David Munoz is, uh, last year he missed the first four races of the year because he wasn't old enough to compete. Okay. He had to wait till he turned 16. Yep. Okay. He turned 16. He jumped out there. First race, I think, was like a third place. I mean, made everybody go, what? You know, what's going mm-hmm. on with this kid? And then from there on, the kid, oh, man, he's so fun to watch. I don't care if he wins or loses. He just, <laughs> he makes Moto3 so much better to be on on the track. And last right. year, so he's been nicknamed Ruthless Munoz because he doesn't okay. take no crap from anybody. He runs into people. He's crashed a few times. It's ended up taking out some people. Yeah, I'm, as one does. Whatever. As one does, but I don't. I don't believe it's ever been intentional. I do not believe there's one bit of like intent. Uh, he doesn't not intend a, to be not a bad bone in his body. Yeah, not a good bone in his body anymore either. But <laughs> so he last year was just so fun to watch him, and that's what I told you. He said, you know, he didn't always qualify great, mm-hmm. and he said, I don't care where I qualify, I'll find the front. And he does. I mean, it doesn't matter where he starts. In Moto3, that's possible. That's a little more possible than in MotoGP. But man, he's just a 16-year-old kid, right? Mm -hmm. So this year, he turned 17, you know, at the beginning of this year. After the season started, because his birthday's like after that fourth race or whatever. So he's just just barely 17. He's on a different bike this year. And it's same old Munoz, man. He's doing awesome. And then he got in a crash. Uh I think we... Week two, he got in a crash, skittled a bunch of people because he was trying mm-hmm. so hard, and this nobody likes him, right? The other yeah. riders don't seem to like him too much, but he got injured badly. Sorry, I was looking at last year. It says he was on a KTM last year also. It's a different team, though. Okay. So, Moto3s, they're all half the fields of KTM. Yeah, I mean, it does say KTM, Gas Gas, and Husqvarna with a little bit of Honda mixed in there. But, no, it was the same team. VOE Motorsports. No, oh, well... New color scheme then. Maybe, yeah. Because they got the like weird blue and green this year or whatever. Yep. It was, it was pink last year. Okay. Yeah, same yep. same team, same bike. Gotcha. Perfect. So so he skittled a bunch of people and he injured himself badly. Mm-hmm. And so he hasn't been racing for weeks and weeks, which has made it almost hard for me to watch because I miss the guy. I miss the guy so much. He's what, just like any sport, people yeah. at home, all you got to do is turn the TV on and start watching this. And learn the storylines of the riders, yeah, and, and and you'll get hooked. I mean, so I think it's what we're what we're trying to give you a little bit. That's it's true with it's true with any sport, 
but definitely true here. You just got to watch. So you, it's not just a bunch of people driving around a track. It's there's reasons to yep. be invested in anyway. Yeah. And you know, when someone gives the number one, why that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so Munoz today, he got the poll. It was the first poll of his career. So apparently he's decided qualifying matters. Yeah. What a race. I challenge anybody <laughs> to go watch. I need to. Oops. Moto three race was, was amazing. I Munoz. wish that they were easier to find because really? I, you know, I challenge anyone to go watch Moto three, but how do you do that without having the app? I don't know. We, we actually had that conversation today. We are my better half as I'm calling her nowadays. Mm -hmm. She, uh, she said I should have invited this friend of mine that big F1 fan, you mm -hmm. should have invited him over and watch this race with you today. And I said, yeah, how come? And said, so they can see how cool it is, you know, and how much better than F1 it is in our opinion. And, uh, right. And I said, well, they can watch it their damn selves. And she said, no, they can't. They really can't. You got to yeah, have I don't the app. Know. I have no idea where you find it. Yeah, so you got to Moto go. America, you know, I can at least say, hey, catch it the day after on YouTube. But MotoGP, you can catch the highlights. So please yep. go watch the highlights. Try and get addicted. But I can't tell you that you need to go get the app either because it's not cheap. The MotoGP app, if you're trying to watch MotoGP, is sweet. I will say you get to watch everything live. You can cast it. You can go all the way back to the first ever broadcasted race that they have and watch that all year round. Like, so if you're going to get it, go ahead. It's worth it, I think. But I can't really like just sit here and sell it to people or tell people to go watch MotoGP because it's not. I don't know where you find it. I don't know if it's even still on TV anymore. I think Sky Sports or something. I, I know it used to be because I used to pay for TV and I had to get like this extra, extra, extra package just right. to get MotoGP. And then I was like, that's why I finally got the app because I was looking at that. And I was like, how much am I paying for all these extra sports channels that I don't watch just to get MotoGP and then not even watch it half the time because it's at three o'clock in the morning. Right. So anyway, that being said, watch MotoGP and Moto3. Moto3 is the best. Munoz. Munoz, ruthless Munoz. You can watch him race around on a lawnmower. <laughs> KTM lawnmower. So yeah, at least that's what Husqvarna those things are like, man. Husk well, that's what I was gonna say. Husqvarna and Honda do actually make lawnmowers. So this is true. This is true. All right. Well, that about clears us up. Yeah, nope. that's all I. That's all I had. Go buy a super bike. Come out to Track Day Circus. Bring your super bike. If anyone's telling you that there's a beginner bike, there isn't beginner bikes whatever you want it to be just be honest with yourself and remember you don't freaking yank it unless you're ready to take off for outer space or the cops are there wise words go check out our t-shirts i don't know if i said that last week we got a new t-shirt site we can both say they're a little better quality a little better prices we'll get some more designs going up soon so yeah agreed like subscribe all the stuff yeah comment Leave your comments. Let us know we're coming into the off season for MotoGP, and then obviously later this year we've got some plans. But if there's anything specific you guys want covered, let us know. We'll get some research done, and we'll we'll hash it out and cover it. Said that a couple of times. Yeah, I'll keep saying it. Yeah, we're done. All right. Thanks, everybody. Deuces.